Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Life on the other side of Easter can be strange and a little bit scary. Last week we met some of Jesus' disciples in the upper room. They've seen the risen Lord. They've witnessed history's greatest miracle. They're still hiding in spite of that. What incredible news they have to tell the world, but instead they decide that it's safer to go back to their normal way of living. To go back to who they were before and what they were doing before Easter interrupted them with its power. Can you imagine? As if God would ever allow that to happen. Still, they were mending their nets and they launched their boat out and they begin to do the thing that they were good at before Jesus. After all, fishing for fish is safe. Fishing for people is a whole different ballgame, right? It's comfortable. It's familiar to fish for fish. And now that Easter's three weeks gone, what about us? Now we're back to normal. The lilies are gone. Those big trees are put away. We're back to our comfortable routines. The church isn't quite so crowded. We can breathe a little. We've got our seats back. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Having encountered the risen Lord, we're back to our jobs and our errands and our housework and the all too familiar activities we've become so good at juggling and the busyness becomes our distraction from our real call to fish for people on this side of Easter. Well, at the end of a not so good night of fishing, Peter and the others stare off the deck of their creaky boat. And the empty tomb seems a lot less relevant to them now in their empty hold. Isn't that how it goes? We fish for whatever it is that we think is important. Perks and promotions and popularity. To prove whatever it is that we feel that we have to prove. Our value, our ingenuity, our lovableness, our charm. And as all that gets measured, the bottom line is brutally clear. The less we catch, the less we're worth. Maybe normal's not so safe after all. So Peter and the others are gripping the side of their boat and they're griping about their luck. Maybe one's cursing, maybe one's yawning, maybe another one's scratching his head. And all of a sudden, someone's calling out to them. In the older translations, the voice asks, Children, have you any fish? In our translation today, it's in the negative. Did you notice that? We know this voice, it belongs to the one who never asks a question for which he doesn't already know an answer. He'd make a good lawyer. 
He can see that their night's labor, the very thing that they're good at, has been unproductive. Children, have you any fish? Come Monday morning, you hit the snooze button one too many times, and the toast is burnt, and you can't find the other shoe, and the toilet won't shut off, and there's not enough gas in your car, and you're already running late, and you have to stop and get gas, or you're going to run out on the freeway. And a voice from somewhere calls to you, Children, have you any fish? In other words, do you have anything at all to show for whatever it is that you're good at? Anything at all to show for how you spend your time on this side of Easter? Christian maturity comes with the recognition that most of the things we work so hard to attain, they're temporary. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And oh, by the way, you can't take them with you. So it's Monday morning, and why won't that toilet stop running? (laughs) And why can't I get this knot out of my shoelace? And I don't have time to eat that burnt toast anyway. And in the midst of it all, that voice calls out, Children, have you any fish? And you scream, No, you've got to be kidding me. No. And there are different kinds of no, aren't there? No, when it's none of your business. No, when I'm sad and I'm frustrated and I'm disappointed. No, when can you help me? Maybe it's all three. Maybe it's anger and frustration and can you give us a hand? And so the voice says, Cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And we're tempted to say, but we've never done it that way before. That's not how we learned it. We fish off the port side, buddy. Still as frustrating as the morning is, I guess we've got nothing to lose by trying. And holy mackerel or perch or trout or whatever it is. Why didn't we think of this starboard side? Or did we? Whose voice was that anyway? It's the Lord, one of them says. And Peter gets so excited or embarrassed because he's been fishing in the buff that he puts on his clothes to jump overboard. Did you get that? I mean, he was naked. Why would you put on your clothes to jump into the I never did get that line anyway. Like putting on your clothes in the morning rush only to dive into the fray, to tread water for eight hours and then crawl back out again in the late afternoon as best you can. But this time the disciples are not disappointed. Their nets are full because of Jesus. Their joy is full too. Life is full because the Lord is back. But he was back a week ago in that room. What happened? 
Do you know what those disciples decide to do next? At such a high and holy moment. They count the fish. Did you get that? And in something so seemingly ridiculous, we catch the real meaning of Easter. 151, 152, 153 all too, all told. The term catch 22, yeah, I'm going somewhere with this, has become a part of our everyday language ever since Joseph Heller wrote the famous novel by the same title. Catch 22 means you can't win, not really, not finally. And too many of us too much of the time believe that. We live by the catch 22, the idea that you can't really win. But then comes Easter and another catch. God's catch, 153 kind of catch, which says you can't lose if you do it the way Jesus says. Not really, not finally. Scholars speculate that 153 represents all the varieties of fish in the world, all caught in the net of God's grace. It's kind of a neat way to look at it. So the disciples count their blessings. Something you and I might consider on Monday morning when we're tempted to forget how abundant our lives really are. How blessed it is to have a toilet in the first place even if the handle won't stop the running. And how blessed we are to have toast on the table even if it is a little burnt. And shoes to untie the knot of. How blessed to be counted among those caught in the net of God's eternal amazing grace. To be heirs of eternal life. Easter is a catch 153. Which means we can't lose. Not really. It means among other things that we don't have to fish in order to prove anything to anybody. We're free from the compulsion of having to catch bigger and better rewards that'll prove our worth. Instead, you and I can fish for the sheer pleasure of it. Because life is an undeserved gift. With no end to it. But there is a beginning, or there can be. The reality that Easter wants to bestow on you and me is this. New life begins now, just like for our graduates. There's a whole new life waiting for them out there. In the midst of the ordinary, the disciples have breakfast with Jesus on the beach. And in something as simple as the breaking of bread and sharing of fish, they discover this new life. They encounter this divine love from which nothing can ever separate them. New life is hidden in the details. But too often you and I hardly notice. We're too busy casting our nets the way we always have on the wrong side of the boat because that's the way we've always done it. We're afraid to let go of the way we've always done it regardless of the fact that we're disappointed each and every time the net comes up empty. But that's how we've always done it. We're scared to let go and let God be in control where our own future is concerned. Letting go 
the disciples of their customary fishing strategy and we of whatever deadly thing that we hang on to so tightly. Try the other side of the boat, Jesus says. Look at the abundance that waits there. Well, how are you going to do that? The Lord wants to know. And so he asks Simon Peter a simple question after breakfast. What's the question? Do you love me? And no doubt Peter recalls how not so long ago he denied Jesus three times in the course of just one evening. And so the voice asks, Simon, do you love me? And who knows if Jesus is pointing to the boat loaded with fishing gear that represent Peter's life's work, or if he's pointing to the other disciples with whom Peter shared his life and what Jesus is pointing to in your life when he calls you by name and asks, do you love me more than these? More than the fish, more than the boats, more than what? Do you love me more than this? And a second time he asks it again, do you love me? Which may mean, have you found a way of letting go of your sinful past? Do you trust that your betrayals are forgiven? Do you trust that the slate is clean and that you've been given a new start? And to what does Jesus point to in your own life by calling you by name and asking the same question? And then he says it a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Which may mean, do you trust the purpose that I have for you? Are you willing to try fishing for people again? Which was my plan for you all along. Are you ready to cast your net in my direction and let me lead you? And by now, the pain and the irony are more than Simon Peter can take. Three times, he says with all the sincerity he can muster, Lord, you know I love you. And I think Jesus nods and he looks deeply into Peter's eyes and he maybe even grasps his hands and I think he tilts his head and he smiles at him and he says, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, shepherd my flock. Life on this side of Easter is strange. It's scary. And the temptation is to go back to who we were. And what we were doing before we understood the power of the resurrection and before it interrupted our lives. But God won't allow that. Tomorrow morning in the midst of the running toilet and the burnt toast and the knotted shoelace, a voice will be calling to those with ears to hear. Cast your net on the other side. As you rush out the door, you'll do so with millions of others who are diving into the fray, who are fishing for life, hoping to catch some glimpse of meaning and purpose just beyond treading water, just beyond making another buck, just beyond surviving. You seniors, as you cast your nets alongside them, put in a good word for Jesus. I look at you and I see in your faces that you do love him.
shall feed his sheep, tend his lambs, shepherd his flock. As you consider your own abundance, dare to put in a good word for the source of your full nets and your full joy. As you consider your forgiveness and your assurance of things to come, put in a good word for the giver of those gifts. Tell somebody what he's done for you. Tell them about Catch 153, the promise that with Christ they can't lose. And on a typical Monday morning at the office, or the store, or at your new job, or as you struggle to get through being a grunt, you just might find to your surprise that you've actually been fishing for people. The very thing that Jesus has called you to do on this side of Easter. To his glory.